Whether you realize that yet or not, I would imagine some do, some don't today. So you've heard this, this general concept today, you've heard it a couple times now, and I'm so thankful for everybody who's, who's been serving already um, this morning, the worship team, Bob, that video. Now we're going to put some detail to it. Okay, you ready? We're going to hear the Word of God that God has uh, revealed to us, and we're going to put some detail on it. We are on a mission together this fall to discover, why am I here? With all of my quirks and pains and uh, my limitations and my weaknesses and my strengths and my talents, my influence, why am I here in this body, in this place, in this time right now? And I believe that God, by his grace, gives us the answers to that, and he wants us to know those things. So that's our our mission together this fall, and I hope you've been enjoying it so far. Uh, The first two weeks, as we look back in the series guide that is available for us, to participate fully in this series, there's a guide uh, for sale uh, back there for five bucks. To pick that up, there's self-assessment tests and small group uh, discussion guides as well, in case you don't know what that is. But already in the first two weeks, we've covered some exciting things, uh, how Jesus modeled servanthood is a great paradox, how when we extend ourselves in humility, that's when we're lifted up in every good way. Uh, then last week, we looked at seven reasons why God created you. If you want to go back and look at those, that's great things to study as we understand God and who we are as worshipers of his, of his and made in his image. The running theme in this series is that we all have a mission and a ministry. Okay, We all have a purpose, and there's a different nuance to how we fulfill it. We have a mission from Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations, and we have a unique place in the world for that. And then we have a ministry, how how we can build up Jesus' body and bless others and serve others. So we all want to discover our sweet spot. That was something I laid out last week, and I got, a, got the chance to hit some golf balls into the crowd last week. Uh, not real golf balls. Uh, but to demonstrate how well it, things go when you hit that perfect spot for maximum impact and how poorly things go and how people can get hurt. I, I missed Alex Mason's head by two inches. Um, when you don't hit that sweet spot. This morning, I just want to, you know, to reinforce these, these things <clears throat> uh, with a couple more props, okay? Now, who's a soccer player out there? All right, I know we have, there's a lot of soccer players. Same thing can be said in, in virtually anything you do. So if I'm going to kick this ball, watch out, Cole. All right, I am not going to kick this ball. <laughs> <laughs> But if I did, and you know this when you try to kick a ball, if you miss and you whiff, you could fall down and be embarrassed and everybody laugh at you. Or what happens a lot is, oh, you dig your toe into the ground and it shanks the ball. And you're not making maximum impact. And in fact, you're risking injury uh, or looking bad or just not being an effective part of the team. But boy, when you hit that sweet spot on the top of your foot and the ball flies true and you control it, there's nothing like it in the world, right? Same thing with a hammer. How many people swing a hammer out there? All right, how many people have ever hit their thumb and been hurt by a hammer before? Yes. Or maybe some people have swung it wildly and hit somebody else in the head. Um, But you know when you hit that nail right in 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 the sweet spot, boy, it just drives it right in. That's a good feeling, isn't it? It makes maximum impact on that nail. And all these things are just illustrations to show. These are the exact principles in our own life. God created us for a purpose, and we don't automatically know that purpose. 
there's a lot to learn in the, in the Bible about what, who God is and why he made the world the way he did and our place in it. And he gives us the grace of all that wisdom in his word. And when, we find, when we're not serving him in our sweet spot, you've probably experienced that, that people might get hurt by your presence there, or at least not blessed. You're not fulfilled, you're, you're depressed or disjointed, things aren't right. Well, I do believe that God wants to bless us and guide us in how we can be a blessing to people and how we can really thrive in this world. And it, boy, it looks different for everybody. We've heard some testimonies this morning already in ways people have blessed the world. And I think of, I mean, you can just think of every person in this world, whatever limitations they have or gifts they have, um, God can use us, and he does mightily. So I want everybody at Community Grace and anybody listening today uh, over the, during this fall series to be able to discover, to hear from God, to be led by his spirit, to discover those things for our lives because this life is too valuable and precious, and God has too high of a value to waste it and squander it and so we're not going to do that together, not in this body. So what we are setting out to do is discover your shape for ministry. Let me explain that in case you haven't heard. Uh, this, is, there's a little, this is a six-week series, and for the next three weeks, we're in a little mini-series within the Why Am I Here series. This mini-series for today and the next two sermons is called Finding Your Sweet Spot. Okay, we're going to be active in discovering that your shape for mission and ministry. Your shape is an acrostic for spiritual gifts. That's our topic today and a fun one. Heart, what gets your heart going? What are you passionate about? What do you love to do? A is your abilities. That's your natural talents or the skills that you've developed through the course of your life. These are not the same as spiritual gifts as we'll cover today. P is your personality. We are all different, and we're all wired differently. We have different personalities, different temperaments, different blends. And E is your experiences, all of them. Now, all of these, all of your life's experiences and the way God has made you and the things that you've developed, all make you the person that you are today. As we go over the next three weeks, there are five self-assessments to take in the study guide. And if you've noticed, there's a giant piece of paper in the front cover called the personal profile. And the idea is, when you get your results from the self-assessments over the next few weeks, transfer those re results into each of those five categories, and then you'll be able, uh, whether by yourself or with your kids or spouse or uh, people in your small group or a friend or a pastor, go through and see the common threads and see really a profile uh, that will enlighten you of what you can do for the rest of your life. Now, you might be, have been serving God for 20, 30 years in your life, but think, I'm just at a crossroads right now. What, what's next for me? And, and I believe that if we pray and do this in a spirit of prayer and humility and seeking God, that he's going to direct us. Okay, so that's what we have. Let's get into that first topic. Spiritual gifts is our topic today. It is an enjoyable one, and I'm going to tell you what what we're seeking to do, in fact, uh, Chris is coming down with the sermon notes and bulletins. The sermon notes, you really should have a copy, even just to look at today. So if you didn't get one, would you just raise your hand and he'll give you one. Raise your hand and you'll see where we're going today. At the outset of our conversation about spiritual gifts, I'm not going to assume that everybody knows what those are. In fact, I've heard a lot of confusion about those over the years. After that spiritual gifts assessment, 
in the yellow pages, you'll see a section in the book, if you have one or can pick one up, where the pages are organized like this, and it's got an alphabetical order, several of the spiritual gifts, and some very helpful descriptions of them, and some cautions to watch for, very, very helpful information as we study God's Word. And you see things like administration, discernment, giving, helps, exhortation, teaching, preaching, mercy, those kind of things. Notice I didn't say playing soccer playing the piano. Those are abilities, and we'll get there when we get to the A in the shape. So if you hear somebody say, I've got the spiritual gift of playing the piano, no, that's an ability. But what spiritual gifts, how has the Holy Spirit endowed you to take that ability and serve Christ with it and bless the world with it and worship God through it? That's what we're after is this mix of who we are as God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. So let's talk about spiritual gifts today. There are four primary New Testament texts that talk about spiritual gifts. Can anybody tell me what those four passages are? Ah, Now, look at the top of your sermon notes. They're right there. So everybody can tell me what they are. That's what we're, uh, we're going to be drawing out of those four primary passages today. Now, interestingly, these four passages teach different things about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given believers in Jesus. And they each teach different elements to it. And they also list different gifts and different numbers of gifts. And I want to say at the outset, there's a reason for that. One of those passages gives seven. The next, 1 Corinthians, gives 14. One just gives five. And 1 Peter just lists two. And I want to say at the outset, the reason that there are different numbers and different gifts listed in those passages is because none of the New Testament writers set out to give an exhaustive list because nobody knows the full extent of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. So when Paul and, and Peter are writing these texts, they just list out several as examples to talk about. These are the things we're going to talk about right now. Okay, and that's why they're different and they're not comprehensive There's no telling what the Holy Spirit can do to you, for you, in every church, in every time, in in all of world history, in every cultural context. The Holy Spirit is God, and we are not, and so he gives the gifts. Okay, so what we're going to do today is build a theology, a helpful theology, about spiritual gifts from these four sections of Scripture. To start, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Bob just read the first seven verses, 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul goes at length, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, three long chapters about spiritual gifts. And he begins addressing the subject with these words in verse 1 of chapter 12. Now about the spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed, or literally, a better translation of that word is ignorant. There's a lot of ignorance or misunderstanding about spiritual gifts. And like Paul, I do not want you to be misinformed or ignorant about what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and in the life of this church. So today we're going to understand what they are, what they're not, 
some cautions about them, and then how to start discovering yours and utilizing yours that the Holy Spirit has given you. So first, a great definition is needed. What are spiritual gifts? And we have such a definition. There's no need to write all this down because it's in your study guide. Just look at the screen. And here's the definition. A spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion when you trust Jesus and he saves you and you're given a new life, you're given this too by the Holy Spirit, to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. Now, let's unpack that definition. That is a power-packed definition. We're going to break it down. So get your pens ready if you like to fill out blanks. We're going to fill these out pretty quickly as we go. As we do, we're going to try to grasp what God the Holy Spirit gifts us with in order again to find our sweet spot and be faithful, fruitful, and fulfilled in serving our Lord. And we begin with 10 important truths about spiritual gifts taken from those four passages. All right, number one is only believers have spiritual gifts. All these instructions are stated to be to the brothers, to the brethren, meaning true Christians only. So if you are a non-believer in Jesus, you have not been gifted in this way yet. And above all, I want to appeal to you. Now's the day of your salvation if you give God your life, if you trust him as your Lord and Savior, trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who paid the price for your sin and separation from God in the first place. He's done the work. Trust him today and receive him today. And I've talked about this in previous sermons. There are over 40 things that happen to you at the moment of your salvation. I mean, being freed and justified and redeemed and um, given spiritual gifts is part of that. Now it's up to you to be faithful and fruit, fruitful. And we get, that, we get there by looking at the word. Know that if you are a believer, you have been given some gifts, whether you know that or not. They're there. All right, so that's number one. Number two, every Christian has at least one gift. Just read 1 Corinthians 12, 7 once again. To each, that's all of us, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That means what the Spirit has made known to us, to each of us, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody's given at least one. Third, no one receives all the gifts. No one receives them all. And number four, no single gift is given to everyone. In verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul asks, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? No. No single gift is given to everyone. Now put a bracket around three and four, linking them together. Why do you think God would make these two things true? Numbers three and four. That no one would receive them all, and that no single gift is given to everyone. Why do you think, what do you, what do you think he's up to? So we need each other. That's number five. Since we have different gifts, we need each other. Very good. 
Romans 12, 4 and 5 say this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. To be healthy, a healthy body, we need each other. And so I need your ministry. I need your ministry. And you need each other's ministries. God is building his body out of us. We need each other. Number six, the Holy Spirit decides what gifts I get. And for me, this is freeing. And this is important. Because you might say, man, I wish I, had, I, wish I could teach better. I, I, how I could be used for God if I was more confident as a teacher. Or, oh, man, I really wish I had more of the gift of mercy so I don't make everybody who's grieving feel even worse. You might resonate with some of those. And let me just say, it's nice that you feel that way, but we trust God who's sovereign in the Holy Spirit. He knows what he's doing by giving you the gifts that he's given you. So be happy about the gifts that he's given you. That means he's in control and he's in charge and work with those. Got it? All right, to me that's very freeing. I don't have to be somebody I'm not. Number seven is the purpose of all of this. The purpose of the gifts is to build up the body of Christ. That is mission. That's to proclaim Christ to the nations and to the people in our community and build up the the body of Christ universal and then to build up the local church as well, the body of Christ, the local expression of his church that we're a part of. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment when we get to that next section, the purpose of the spiritual gifts. But now you can bracket numbers 8, 9, and 10 together. Numbers 8, 9, and 10. Let's see why. Number 8, God doesn't want me to neglect my gifts. Paul says this flat out in 1 Timothy 4.14. Do not neglect the gift you have. So what do we do instead? What's the opposite of neglecting something? That's number 9. God desires me to fan into flame my gifts. I'll just read the verse right there. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, and says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So this is a metaphor for building something up, just like you would with a fire. A fire needs oxygen. So you fan a fire into flame so it burns bright and makes a big impact. And here's a a lesson in spiritual warfare, beloved church, and for all the people you know who are not associated with the church right now, what is one way that you put out a fire? Well, outside of water or sand, one, one effective way to put out a fire is to separate the logs. All right, so immediately when a Christian is separated from Christian community, their fire begins to die out. I would imagine many of us, if not most of us, have been in a season like that at some time in our lives. And you could probably say, yes, that has been my experience. When you're separated from the fire of Christian community, instantly you start to die out. So remember this. We're supposed to fan into flame our spiritual gift. I mean, everything that Christ has for our lives It's done in community as part of his body. 
It's for the purpose of it. We do it together, and it can only be done together. A separated log dies out. Therefore, number 10, I am accountable for how I use my gifts. God's given us these gifts. He's given us a mission and a ministry. He rewards us when we are faithful to them, and he holds us accountable to them as well. One of the verses listed there is Matthew 25, 14 through 30. That's the well-known parable of the talents. And in case you don't know this parable, Jesus often told parable stories that prove a point. And in this parable, you know, Jesus tells about the master who went away on a long trip. And before he went, he gave his three stewards, the people who took care of his property, five talents, two talents, and one talent. And he said, use those, steward my, my, my money well uh, while I'm gone on this trip. And you know the story, many of you know the story, when the master comes back from his long trip, he goes to the one with, who he gave five, and the, five, and the man with five says, uh, look what I've done, I invested it, I did all these business, and, and I've doubled it to ten. Yay, that's great. And, then, and the one he gave two did the same, he doubled it, and has four to give back to his master. That's great. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then he comes to the one who he gave one talent. And what did that servant do? He buried it. He squandered it. He didn't do anything with it. He separated all thought from it. And did, did the master hold him accountable for that? If you know the scripture, here's what Jesus or the master called him. You wicked and lazy servant. And he threw him out of his kingdom. Now that's accountability from God. He doesn't just die on the cross and then give you gifts and a mission and a purpose and love and support and a church that he built with his own blood and broken body and all the wisdom in the world in his word and say, now go and do nothing with it. He's going to hold us accountable for that. That's our God. He is God. Well, that accountability from God, that seriousness of God, makes even more sense when you understand the purpose of the spiritual gifts. Let's look again and never forget the purpose that the Holy Spirit is doing so much work in your lives. The purpose of the spiritual gifts. Two-fold purpose. One, not for my personal benefit, but for others. 1 Peter 4.10, again, is, is a clear statement of this. As each has received a gift, use it to make a lot of money? No. To do nothing with? No. To be totally self-centered with? No. Use it. It's a command to serve each other, to serve each other as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So let me just relate to you and connect with you. We may not feel like serving others. We may not think we're worthy. God says those things are beside the point because those gifts are not given for you. They're given to, for others. That's the purpose of them. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 adds, the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. And so the gifts are given 
to us to build up his church and its church and the church's work in the world. So the question then is to build it up to what? Just more people? A bigger budget? Not exactly. Uh, this is answered by purpose number two, to produce unity and maturity. To build up the church to produce unity and maturity. And we're going to look at Ephesians 4 again. Last week we looked at this verse to find that the church is primarily a volunteer organization where it says to equip all the saints for the work of the ministry. That means all of us, it's a volunteer organization, we all pitch in and we all build it up. This week, I want to focus on Jesus' two ultimate goals for his church, and that's unity and maturity. I just want to read this scripture again. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, and now he defines what that looks like, until we attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, that's some serious maturity. God wants us unified and mature, and so now we, now we know why he's given us the ability to, to contribute to that. That's his ultimate goal, that we become more like Jesus, that we're more healthy, that we're more of a testimony to his goodness and his power in the world. Man, this is a good relationship that he's given us by his grace. So again, church leaders use their gifts to equip every Christian to use their gifts to minister to others until we are unified. And that's a big value of our church, as it should be, and it's one that we enjoy. And that is how we bless the world as well. And that's how civilizations thrive, is when God's people are doing this together. One pastor told of a conversation he had with a lady who hadn't grasped this yet uh, as she asked about their church. She said, we're looking for a church where we can be blessed. And the pastor said, that's fine. We're looking for members who can bless others. The lady looked at him and said, um, but we're looking for a church uh, where we can be fed. And the pastor says, well, that's fine. Uh, we're looking for people who can feed others. And the lady looked at him and said, what kind of church is this? She hadn't grasped this yet. Now, the beautiful thing is we can be blessed and we can be fed, but the purpose for all of God's doing in our lives is that we'll bless others and that we will feed and serve others. And the body of Christ and the world needs the gifts that you have, brothers and sisters. You have a lot to offer. So I hope this, this teaching so far has been encouraging to you and empowering for everyone. Now, here are seven cautions about spiritual gifts. Remember Paul's words, we do not want you to be ignorant. So here are seven cautions about spiritual gifts. Number one is don't confuse spiritual gifts with natural talents. I referred to this earlier. Somebody might say, my spiritual gift is playing the piano in church. And I'm sure Melissa knows, who's a very gifted piano player. Uh, that's a great ability, and it blesses the church. That's not the spiritual gift. Now, I'm, as I'm learning uh, Melissa, I'm starting to see her spiritual gifts that she combines with that ability. Abilities are, are something we'll get to in our next message in this series. Okay, we got that. Don't confuse those two. 
Number two, don't confuse spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. This is one of the most important things I find about the teaching of Scripture. The gifts of the Spirit are different than the fruit of the Spirit. Underline spiritual gifts on point two there. And right underneath that, show my ministry. Spiritual gifts show my ministry. Now underline fruit of the Spirit. And right down underneath that, show my maturity. Spiritual gifts show my ministry. The fruit of the Spirit show my maturity. The fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians chapter 5, and Paul gives nine of them. Can anybody quote those nine? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Anybody? Can you sing the song? Are you singing the song? I know my kids out there are in the fellowship hall are singing the song right now. Go for it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm going to have to look at my notes. Now, the, the value of a song like that is to help us remember things. That's great. Uh, but the, the problem with a song like that is you kind of just gloss over it like it's no big deal, right? Love, joy, peace. Just focus on love. The choice you make to sacrifice all of your rights for the benefit of somebody else because you hold them as more important than yourselves. That's love. With our natural flesh, we don't have any interest in doing that or ability to do that. That is a fruit of the Spirit of God, that we would choose to do that. Joy. And we could go through all nine and demonstrate Joy despite any circumstance. Let's say the whole bottom drops out of your entire life. You lose your bank account, your job, your relationships, your health, all in the same week. And, and people do this. And yet they, in, in their crushing defeat, find joy. Totally impossible by human measures. Totally possible through the Spirit of God and only through the Spirit of God. So that's the fruit of the Spirit, how much you have matured in Christ, in your identity in Christ, where you can have these, love, joy, peace, the same about peace, especially about patience, amen? Faithfulness, yeah, all of those, self-control, big one, fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that is God's ultimate goal for us, is that we mature and become more like Jesus. And, and you know, it feels better and better and have more uh, effectiveness as you go more fulfillment as you go. It's a long road. It doesn't happen overnight, and God is with us every step of the way. Amen? Okay, so what you need to know is that, practically speaking, you can have a spiritual gift like teaching, but not have the maturity to be qualified to teach yet. Got that? Fruit of the Spirit and the spiritual gifts are different. You need both. You need the fruit of the Spirit. You need spiritual gifts. Number three, don't confuse spiritual gifts with Christian roles. Uh, your title. The fact is you can have the role of a pastor and not have the gift of pastoring, of shepherding. That is possible. You just have to build a team around you to fill those gaps. And you can have the gift of pastoring or shepherding and not have the role of pastor in a church. It's totally possible and perfectly fine in many, many situations. So don't confuse those two or conflate those two. Number four, be aware of the gifts projection tendency. This is something we're all guilty of. What that is, is expecting others to serve the way that you do and have similar results. Let me give you an example. 
this is all too common, and this causes difficulty within the church. It causes us to get angry unnecessarily. For instance, if you have the gift of administration, uh, and administration is easy for you, and things are organized and detailed and in place and on time and communicated clearly, then how do you feel about somebody who doesn't do all those things, like never does those things? It makes you angry, right? That's called the spiritual gifts projection tendency. You're projecting on them that they should be just as good as you are in that. So be careful of that and see the differences that they have. They might be totally unorganized, but their gift is something else, and you're stronger together in lots of different ways, and the church is stronger together. Number five, don't, make your, or don't feel your gifts make you superior or inferior to others. Hear God's heart on this, because he says it through the Old Testament and New Testament, all through the pages of Scripture. He gives what appears to human eyes gifts of more prominence and like lesser gifts. But what does he say? God always chooses to elevate the younger brother or the orphan or the widows. He chooses to elevate those. He says flat out with the gifts, I elevate those with lesser gifts. And those with the more prominent gifts are supposed to do it in absolute humility and in servant, bringing us even equal in, his, in importance in his eyes. Don't ever feel like you're superior. Don't ever feel like you're inferior. You're who God made you to be. You're who God made you to be. So don't mess with God by thinking either of these ways. Number six, realize that using your spiritual gift without love is worthless. What chapter in the Bible is affectionately called the love chapter? If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably seen it on a cake. It was on our cake. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13. Now, it's no mistake. It's no accident. Why, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, would be sandwiched between two chapters on instructions about the spiritual gifts. So you read chapter 12, and it's like all of a sudden Paul hits the brakes and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to, I have to at this point, I have to teach this very important truth right now. You may have all these gifts, and you may be um, exercising them effectively uh, by all appearances, but I tell you what, if you don't have love in it, you're a noisy symbol, a clanging, a noisy gong, a clanging symbol, and it's all meaningless. I could be the greatest teacher in the world. I could be the greatest administrator in the world. I could have the most mercy, but if I don't have love, it's worthless, God says. We can choose to love, and we must. Just know that. We're learning God's character here, what's most important to him. That will help us a lot on our journey. And then number seven, recognize that you have both a primary and a secondary ministry in the body. My primary ministry commitment should be in the area where I am gifted. That's your sweet spot. That's what you should pursue. Some, some people just jump right in and, man, it's, it's all right there. Some people, this is a years-long process. But even that years-long process is important. God redeems you and shapes you through that. Okay, my secondary ministry includes serving in areas where any area where I am needed. If the body has a more immediate need for your service and you're not, it's not in your sweet spot, but you can do it, jump in and serve there. 
As Paul says in Titus 3.14, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So lots of different examples, just tons. You see a need around you, and, and you know, maybe you should jump in. Maybe, you, maybe your prayer is to learn how to say no. So we need to have boundaries and be healthy in this. Use discernment, ask for advice. But if the advice and the discernment says, I can fill that need, do it. And bless the church and bless people around you for a season. I can think of a lot of examples where people are doing this. I, um, having a bunch of kids, I see this in the nursery and the children's ministry all the time. Ah, we need teachers. Well, you do. You need nursery workers. And I've seen people jump in and fill in. That's just one of all kinds of examples throughout uh, the course of life that we see. And I will say at this point that we, we do need a nursery director by the end of this year. Linda Baker is going to take a well-deserved break, and she has given us, a, by her grace, a three-month notice, <laughs> which should be plenty adequate. I just want to get that out there, and um, since I brought that up, and say, need new nursery director by December, let's say. Okay, we've covered lots of good teaching here on the spiritual gifts. There is more to say, but that's, that's true about every sermon. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. I hope this is, be, is becoming clear now. This is uh, the first part of our acronym shape to discovering why God made us, why on earth am I here, and um, know that this is a huge part of understanding God's sovereignty in his, in his unique and special design for each one of us. It's a huge part of finding out um, why we're here at this place in this time. So now the question we all want answered is, how do you discover your gifts and how do you use them? So let's answer that. First, how do you discover them? And I'll say at this point that the spiritual gift assessment in this book is helpful. Um, again, it just there's a lot of different tests out there. I, I want to say a couple things about the spiritual gift assessment that we chose to put in the book. It doesn't have all the gifts. It just has one of those sample lists that gives a well-rounded list. Of all the tests, this is the least concrete and clear. Uh, some of you may take this test. I mean, this is how the Holy Spirit works. Um, the word spirit is pneuma. Same word as wind, you know. Who can really understand? And no one can control the Holy Spirit. Uh, so this test, it's one of the longer, longer tests and it's probably the least clear. Don't be discouraged by that. Uh, some of you are going to take that test and say, wow, that really nails me. Others might say, eh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, that's just how it is. We're, we're trying to take a tangible, concrete test about the spirit. You understand? That's, that's tough. The test still helps, though. And in the personal profile, there's a couple other uh, website links to other spiritual tests, spiritual gifts tests. And you might want to take two or three and see how they, they align. That's just to get you started. Here's a principle that's in your book. It's going to be on the screen that I want to, that I want to uh, proclaim right now. This test is not going to be perfect for everybody, not even close. Here's a better way. It's easier to discover your gift through ministry than to discover your ministry through your gift. Okay, that means you can't just sit there and do a self-assessment and never serve at all 
and then automatically know the ministry that you fit perfectly for. That's backwards, actually. A much better way is just to start serving. And the test kind of accompanies that. And you'll find out, am I thriving here? Is the ministry thriving? Are other people very mad at me for some reason? It's probably a good sign. That's probably, you need to move on and find, find the better fit. Okay. This is an important uh, principle, and I, and I do want to talk a little bit more about it. That takes you next to three ways God wants you to use your gifts. Keeping this in mind, to get active, well, what does that look like? How can I, what does that look like for me? I'm going to put them all on the screen at the same time and then uh, define them each. That's through an ongoing ministry, through, a sh- through short-term projects, and through spontaneous situations. Okay, an ongoing ministry, find something that you can contribute to. If that's children's ministry here, if that's worship team, if that's some, a mission board of some sort, uh, if it's a group or club that meets in your school, on campus, uh, a parachurch organization, somewhere that you have an ongoing ministry where you're really in your sweet spot, you're building it up and serving Christ. Okay? Try different roles until you find those things. Be careful not to overcommit. I do want to say that. We're not here to burn people out, uh, which is a major problem in the church. Second, short-term projects. Uh, I'm going to lead small group discussion for this month. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to go on a short-term missions trip. I'm going to be a camp counselor. You know, whatever that, that opportunity is, through those fun experiences, you realize people find their entire life's purpose through these, right? Is there, maybe, maybe you can share a testimony uh, with me. Send me an email or something. Yeah, I tried this random uh, or adventurous thing and found my whole life's purpose in that. Those are neat stories. Uh, and then third, through spontaneous situations, wherever you're needed right at the moment, step in and you might just discover that's what you were made to do. We have so much uh, in us and in God and in God's future for us that we do not know right now. So we need to get out there, obey him and serve him, and we will discover it. This is exactly how I found my sweet spot. I just tried a bunch of things years ago, and it turns out I discovered about myself that I love variety. And being a pastor, no two, day, no two days are the same. So I'm right in my sweet spot with these things. Lots of things going on. Now, I married a woman, Sarah, who is the total opposite. So... <laughs> She brings stability uh, to me and to our, our family. As she loves routine. And praise God, she has been a gem in bringing that stability and enduring uh, the unpredictable pastor's schedule. But, but you see how that, how that works. Find your sweet spot. Uh, maybe God will bless and, and you've already found that, or it'll take a day or a week. Maybe it'll take the next year or two. Be ready. This is a relationship, a walk with God. But I do have two steps that everyone can take towards that right now. The next steps, number one is to circle sections on your notes in front of you on which you need to act right now. Something struck out to you, one or two or three things, that really meets you where you are right now. What's a truth that you learned today that can address, what, what do I need to do right now? What do I need to focus on right now? How do I need to worship God differently right now? So I just want you to pray and, and look and circle that on your notes and talk to God about what that looks like right now. And then number two is to take the spiritual gifts assessment before your group meeting 
And, I, and if you're not in a small group, that's, that's fine. And you can pick this up and talk about it with a friend. Grab somebody that, to speak into your life. Um, how many people have already done the spiritual gift assessment, the yellow pages? Raise your hand. Okay, several, but that means uh, I just want to set up your small group leaders for a successful meeting on your next meeting. Okay, so have that done, and that will really benefit your group meeting time so you can share the results with your group, and your eyes will be open in all kinds of ways. Very, very enjoyable as we seek to grow in Christ. Uh, it's, there's a picture. Did that picture go up there yet? Okay, so the, the, question, the, the test has 25 questions. They are not just choose one. They're choose all that apply. And so the, this is one of the pages on the results. You're going to see lots of X's circled um, across the board. And then when you get the results, it'll be fun to say, yeah, that's, that's exactly me, or I didn't realize that, or I need to explore that, or that's, no, I don't think that's accurate. I'm going I'm to seek, <laughs> seek some more, um, more data on this. Let's be very prayerful. God has set us up for great success in this world if we're faithful to him and worshipers of him, not ourselves. So let's give all this to God right now in prayer. Lord, that is our humble prayer that we would just continue to devour your word and what it says about you. We're so thankful for all this teaching and clarity that you give us. And then, Lord, we're thankful for the topic today that the Holy Spirit is so active in us. We could talk just on and on about uh, the ministries of the Holy Spirit, how Jesus said it would be better for all of you that I leave this earth so I can leave the Holy Spirit, that he empowers us and gives us peace and our unique shape. So we just want to stop and say thank you, God our Father, for giving us your Son and the Holy Spirit and yourself. Pray you'll guide us in every way as we go from here as a church, as families, as individuals into, into the world where you have us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.